right? And uh, at the end of that, there's, there's thanksgiving for that. We give God thanks for everything that He's done. Can you say, I give God thanks for everything that He's done? But when we're praying and asking God for something, in Philippians we learn that there is a proper way to pray that puts thanksgiving on the front side, that, that puts thanking God even before we give the request. We know that we've got requests, right? We know things. We know that we need things, right? Does everybody in this room know that you need things from God? We ask Him for, for things, yes. But God is not like us. If I ask you for something, uh, hopefully you're able to give me what I'm asking for. And if you do, at the end, I say, thank you for giving me that, right? But that's not how God is. God's already got it. And according to His Word, He says, I know what you need before you even ask for it. Doesn't His Word say that? So that's why He can hit us with this principle. I know that you've got a need, but before you bring that need to me, Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 don't worry about anything, but everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, make your petitions known to me. So before you even ask Him for anything, I thank you, God, that what I'm about to ask you for, I know that you've already got it. Amen? So I hope you tried that out this week because that is a proper way to approach him. And uh, he said, before he said that, he said, don't be afraid, don't be anxious, don't be nervous, don't be upset for anything. Okay? Well, I'll just read the scripture. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. There it is right there. Let your request be made known to God. You see the order of that? And the peace of God. Say the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So that's what I challenged you with last week, is to have a heart that is guarded. You remember that? My heart's guarded by God. My mind is guarded by God. God puts a guard beside my heart. Now my heart can feel safe because it's got a guard. Now my mind can feel safe because it's got a guard over it. Amen? Amen. Um, so I want you to turn to John chapter 14, and we're also going to look at, we're going to look at a good bit in this chapter, and also we're going to look in uh, Revelation chapter 1. So, um, and that's, that's interesting at a whole other level all by itself, and um, I believe that, that you're, you may be surprised by what it has to say. And let me just go ahead and tell you, don't be afraid, be grateful, be thankful. A blessing is coming your way. There's a little clue in that right there. A blessing is coming your way. So this is instructions for blessing. This is, this is some of God's instruction for us to be blessed. You know He wants us to be blessed, right? I'm not talking about the material things he says, I know that the world goes after those things, and I know that you need things. I, need, I know you need clothing. I know that you need food. I know you need a place to lay your head. But follow me, and all those things I'll give to you. So, John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Here he says, let not your heart be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. There's kind of been a little bit of a theme this morning about anyone that's got a troubled heart or a situation or a circumstance. But Jesus says this, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. That word is translated into dwellings. There, there are many dwellings. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. I love to take that verse right there, and, and I'm not adding to it or taking it away, so I'm still on the safe side. I'm just switching it around a little bit. Because the translation of that is that I would have told you if it were not so. I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. This, This is how strong he's making a point to them. I don't lie. I only tell the truth. And I would have told you if this weren't so. How how incredible is that? He said, I'm going to go away. A lot of things that he said right here confused them. They didn't get it yet. And there was a reason that they, get, they couldn't get it, that, that he was God in flesh, but he was about to send the comforter of the Holy Spirit who was going to remind them of everything that he said. Has anybody ever told you anything important? And you're like, oh, what did they say? What did they say? What did they say? Well, even at the most extreme uh, end of that is that, Jesus was telling them things, and they needed to understand it. And, and even though he told them that, he said, I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to remind you of what I said, and he's going to teach you things. And he's going to actually come and explain in, you into fullness of areas. And, and he told them this, too. He said, I have more to say to you. He told them a lot, and he said, I have a lot more to say to you, but you can't even bear up underneath it all yet. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, okay? So, and if I go and prepare a place for you, verse 3, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. So he's telling them, I would have told you if this weren't true. He's trying to bring comfort to them. Something's about to happen. You don't understand it. But I want you to understand this. If this, what I'm telling you, wasn't true, I would have told you. But so I'm telling you this because it's true. I'm trying to bring comfort to you. And, and, and I love Thomas. You know, we, we've, we've labeled him Doubting Thomas. But I figured something out about Thomas. I'm a long-distance relative of him. I would have asked because I would have doubted. Because I need to hear it for myself. My family can get it. And other people can get it, and people that I look up to can get it, but I have to get it for myself. And Thomas said this, because Jesus had just said, where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do it. Thomas threw everybody under the bus. Thomas said, Lord, we, we don't understand. And at least me, I don't understand. I, this is what I appreciated about Thomas. You didn't have to ask where he stood. He let you know where he stood, and he was in a place of doubting. And I'm just going to tell you this. You see, God, he, he didn't, Jesus didn't strike Thomas down right there. He explained to him, you can bring Jesus your doubts. 
He said, don't be afraid, but you can bring him your doubts. Bring them to him. Amen? That's a pretty good point right there. You can bring them to it, to him. So he said, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. So that right there lets us know there is no other way. You can't be good enough. Matter of fact, good will get you in all kind of trouble in eternity. Do you know that there was a tree? You know why good is not enough? There was a tree in the garden of the knowledge of good and evil. The knowledge of good and evil. We think that evil will send us to hell, yep. But let me tell you something else. Good will send you to hell too. Because good is not enough. The blood of Jesus is enough. There was a tree of the knowledge of, the, of good and evil. And you got to make sure that you uh, go past just what's good enough. Because man will give you what's good enough. But that won't get you there. Jesus and his blood will get you there. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I remember years ago, um, uh, there was this big controversy right in the middle of um, the Oprah Winfrey show that this woman uh, was talking about Jesus being the only way. And Oprah Winfrey said, no, he, he, he can't be the only way. There, there must be thousands of ways. And, and man, it, it stirred up a firestorm in her. I don't know if you ever saw that, but you can Google that if you want to. That, that really happened. And I don't want to ever be on the side of making you think that there's any other way except Jesus because Jesus said, I am the way. And there's no other way except by me. And that's what his word says. He said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. So now Philip, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is sufficient for us. <laughs> Thank you, brother Philip. Anything else? Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? You ever had a teacher that called out your name at the end of something, and you just shrunk and felt so small? But I can say this. I appreciate Philip for saying it. You can bring your questions to God. You'll find an answer in his word. He who has seen me, Jesus, has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. 
Let me say that again. If you love me, this is Jesus speaking, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you love me, question my commandments. And that's what a lot of people are finding themselves doing. I can tell you this. That's exactly how the enemy tricked Eve right there. Did God really say? You remember that way back at the beginning. Is that what he did? Did he really say that, Eve? Okay. So be careful about having conversations with an enemy. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Translated as comforter, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you a little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live in you, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who keeps my commandments and keeps them, say, and keeps them. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. So that's how, that's how love of him is proved. Right there. That's how you prove your love for him, by keeping his commandments. Okay? It's not by how much tithe you give. It's not how big your offering is. It's by keeping His commandments that you prove how much you love Him. It is He who loves me. And He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love Him and manifest myself to Him. Manifest means reveal. I will love Him and I will reveal myself to Him. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us? And not to the world. So I told you there was confusion. This is, this is some powerful things that Jesus is telling them. And one disciple questions him. And another disciple questions him. And another disciple questions him. And he's telling them don't be afraid. And he's giving them instruction. And here comes questions, questions, questions. You can bring your questions to Jesus. Okay? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So do you understand? It's not just saying about, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. That, that's, that, that rolls out pretty easy. Do you obey Jesus? That's the big one right there. Obey. I, I, I keep his commandments. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So he's saying, you can say you love me all you want to, but I know if you do or not, because if you love me, you keep my commandments. And the one that doesn't love me doesn't keep my commandments. And that's Jesus speaking. <clears throat> These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit... Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And then he said this, and I love this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. 
Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let me go back to the very first verse of this chapter. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In this verse right here, chapter 27, sorry, verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Nobody spoke up and said, hey, Jesus, you just said that a minute ago. I had a woman that I pastored. She was very old at the time that she did this. I think she was between 149 and 150 years old then. <laughs> but she told me one day, she she walked up to me at the end of, uh, of service and 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 she looked like she just had that that little cheesy, gra- uh, mm, mm, that little look on her face, like I got you, and I'm got to teach you something. And she showed me her Bible, and 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 beside it was my name and a date. And she said, she said, I I write down every time you preach, and I put a date beside the scripture that you use. And she said, you've already you've already preached that. And I want to say, well, I apologize to everybody else, but that's because you didn't get it last time. And I was like, today's just your day. But nobody, nobody called Jesus out because they, they knew he was not saying something because he didn't have anything else to say. He wasn't repeating himself, and he wasn't trying to be wordy. He was saying it again so that they get it. How many of you know we've got to get it over and over, and he has to say it over and over? I do. I have to hear it over and over. I'm a repetitious type learner. It takes several times for me to learn it. I'll see your face one time, but I'll have to hear your name over and over and over again, and then I can associate the two, right? That's just how it, that's just, that's just how it works. But he's telling them to have peace, and he's also telling them, my father's got a gift for you, Okay? So, so it's like this. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. And then he said, the Father's about to bless you with a gift. And then he says, I'm going to leave my peace with you. All of these things are instructions for us so that we can be blessed. I looked at different places in the Word where he talked about not being afraid. And one of them was in Revelation. But before we get to Revelation, I want to tell you a couple things about this Holy Spirit, about this, the Holy Ghost. It's, you know, in the Bible, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, they're both interchangeable. But there's places where it says the Holy Spirit. And there's also places where it says the Holy Ghost. But you'll, you'll see it that it'll say the Holy Spirit. And then it'll also in some places say the Spirit, the Spirit. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. But it never talks about the Holy Ghost as just the Ghost. It talks about the Holy Ghost. I thought that's just interesting. But it's, it's the same. So you can, you can say either one of them and you'll be correct. But, but I was raised in a Pentecostal church that uh, spoke in tongues, and, and I was also uh, raised in, in, in wanting to know the truth of God's Word. And I was also raised, if God had it and it was real, I wanted it. And if it wasn't real, I didn't want it. 
I can tell you, so we'll go ahead and I see beads of sweat. Even without my glasses, I see beads of sweat coming. I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe everything that the Word says. Amen. But I had to, I had, like I said, I couldn't just take Grandma's word for it or Mom. My dad was an incredible pastor. I'm actually a fourth generation minister. But I got to 23 years old and I had not received the gift of speaking in tongues in my life. And and matter of fact, Rajan was was the guy, our missionary to India. He's the one that busted me on the deal. Um, Rajan, even before he was married, he came. He would come just about every Sunday to our house and eat lunch with us. And, and a lot of nights he would he would stay late, come after church. And and he had just married his wife Becky, and they were in our living room. And 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 he tells it so. So good. I, I mean, this this was back in the day, a couple years ago, but um, here I am, um, and I, I've got some guns out in the floor, and I'm cleaning my guns in the floor, just cleaning my guns. And that, that's kind of like how we grew up. We're after church. My dad had preached. We come back and eat. There's Roger and Becky, and I'm cleaning guns. And they're talking about spiritual things, and I'm just sitting there soaking it all up, and I'm, I'm watching, and I'm cleaning guns and watching, and, and they start talking about the Holy Spirit. And and uh, Rajan looks at me. He said, John, you have the Holy Ghost? You know, Those of you that have met Rajan, you know. He said, have you, have you got the Holy Ghost? I said, oh, man. I just, I, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, can't lie. <laughs> and I answered the truthfully. I said, no. And this is how crazy it was. This is how I grew up. I grew up so, uh, so into the Pentecostal movement that my mom sitting there answered. She said, yes, you do. I said, mom, no, I don't. I would know if I did. Well, Roger's next word, well, let's start praying. We prayed for two and a half hours. And about 2.30 in the morning, see, it was already late. About 2.30 in the morning, I received the Holy Ghost that night. I'll never forget that, okay? So I'm just telling you that there was a way that I was, was raised. And, and from that, there's nothing wrong with it. But I, I also want to lighten it up just a little bit and show you how, um, how I raised my kids, <laughs> And uh, so you're going to have to listen really closely to get all of this. But um, I'm showing my, my prowess right now, Emily. I'm going to get us there. We're almost there. Here we go. Here we go. Now you guys. Okay. All right. Okay, we're going to back it up. Let me just set the stage. This is my house. This is my voice. This is my son, Walker, as a little bitty boy. And uh, you'll hear our daughter who's in heaven. You'll hear her voice in there. And uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll play it a couple times, but here we go.
So out of nowhere, my son's just walking around with a blanket over his head. And he walks up to his mom and says, what do you wish for? And I said, who are you? Because I didn't know who he was. And he said, I am the Holy Ghost. What do you wish for? And Kenzie yells out, chocolate. And he says, not you, her. And if you called it, he said, what do you, what do you wish for, Mom? So the Holy Ghost knew her by name. And she said, joy and peace. And then he said, God of heaven, give this woman joy and peace. So I just wanted to let you have a little light-ended snippet of, of how things kind of went. And um, that's also a very sweet moment uh, in, our, in our family right there. What did you say? <laughs> Beads of sweat, yeah. Yeah, you got them. But um, so, so let me tell you, as we're about to move on, on past this just a little bit and make a little bit more sense, because I want you to know that even though I had received the Holy Ghost in the middle of the night, it was not until I was pastoring and this was in 2001 when I had done, I had finished seven years of youth ministry. And when I was in 2001 raising my family, we just had Michaela and Kenzie there. And Kenzie had all of her issues, so many issues, physical, uh, heart condition and all these things. Um, and we were in an inner city church and, and there were, uh, drive-by shootings right outside of my house. I knew that I was in deep water without God. And I needed to know that everything that I believed about Him was true. And during the night, this happened three times when we lived in that city, three times. I woke up out of a sleep just praying in the Holy Ghost loud. And, and, and that song that you were singing, Wash Over Me, that's the only way that I can describe that to you. And, and, and I'm not saying it's going to happen like that for everybody, but I had to know that what was going on was, was real and that it wasn't anything that was conjured up and it wasn't a learned thing in me. It was something that God did inside of me. And I can just tell you, it, I, I, I felt like I was completely asleep, and I felt like all of a sudden I was standing, and it knocked me back and then raised me up. And it felt like that song that you're singing, like being washed away by a river. That's exactly how that felt to me. And for me, that's what I needed to see so that I would know that this was real, okay? So just so you know... Um, so how are you going to take that to Revelation? Well, well, you see. You'll see. Um, Revelation chapter 1. Understanding this. Revelation means revealing. He just got through saying in John chapter 14. Oh, sorry. i got to give your screen back. Revelation chapter 1. You might, I, do I need to open that for you? Got, okay, you got it. Sorry. In John 14, he just got through talking about the, the revealing that he would manifest himself. Didn't he say that? That, that to, to the ones that, that love me, I, I will make myself known to them. I will manifest myself to them. 
Well, this book, Revelation, the word revelation means unveiling and revealing. So this is actually something that we're supposed to be excited about. It doesn't mean that we understand it. If you want to know how, uh, who, who was it? Uh, Philip had questions. Thomas had questions. And, and Judas, not Iscariot, had questions. Well, they're where we are when we read Revelation. We, 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 did not, we don't understand all of this. So questions can come out of us, and it's okay for questions to come out of us. But understand this, there's something particular about, he said, who keeps my words and doesn't question and does not doubt my words. There's a difference in all of that. But he said, in this right here, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it. For the time is near. Now, now, blessed is used two times. That same word is used two times to describe who God is. And it's also used in the, the Beatitudes when it says, blessed is this person. If you do this, blessed are you, or if you do this. And it doesn't talk about uh, somebody that's not going through things. It's, it's talking about people that go through certain things. And it says, blessed are you when these things happen to you. That same word, blessed, that same interpretation of that word is, is the same word that's being used right here. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. That word blessed means happy. Happy. The world is going to tell you, just do what makes you feel happy. If it makes you feel happy, do it. And he says, you're not going to hear him say happy a lot except for happy are you if you do these things. So there are things that the world cannot uh, achieve or, or gain or, or get to. As long as they're outside of Christ. But those of us that are in Christ, there's a happiness that we'll never get from the world, but we'll have it inside of His kingdom. There, there, that's why everything else can be falling apart, but you're happy. And that is a testimony of, of who He is inside of you. You ever had times in your life when, when you went through things and, and you didn't even understand the peace that you had because this thing should be just taking you away. But what's taking you away is His river of peace. Amen? And this is the only book in the Bible. There's 66, 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books, 66 books, and that's the limit of my mathematic ability right there. Trust me. 
But it's the only one out of the whole Bible, the only book in the whole Bible that says this. He says, there's a blessing for hearing it, and there's a blessing for reading it, and there's a blessing for doing it. There's there's a three-way blessing attached to this book that's, that's actually given prescriptively before you even read it. It's saying you're blessed if you hear it. Blessed is he who reads this book and who hears the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written in it for the time is near. You're blessed just because you heard it. You're, You're blessed because you read it. And you're blessed because you do it. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace. And peace, grace and peace right there from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before the throne. So everything that could have happened before you and is happening right now and ever ever will happen for you, he's the God of that and he's got grace and peace for every bit of it. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Can somebody say thank you, Jesus, for that? And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos. He was in exile for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that I spoke that, that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of God, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band, and his head and hair were white like wool, and as white as snow. And his eyes like a flame of fire, his feet were like fine brass as it refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. There it is again. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death or hell and death. Write the things which you have seen and the things which which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery or the hidden truth. Of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars and the angels are the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven 
churches. I just want you to know that we are presently in his hand. We are in his hand. He sees all. He's right there in the midst of of these churches, even though he's got instruction and we fit into those seven churches. But he's, he's right there and you've got to know that the presence of God is right there. And the peace of God is right there. And he knows all things. And he's given a reminder. And he's saying, you're blessed if you hear it. And you're blessed if you read it. And you're blessed if you do it. Blessed. Blessed by God. So I, I, I want you to know something. Because I, I feel like I have opened up several cans this morning. One of the, the biggest ones is... is the, the Holy Ghost and, and, and the power that is there. But I am tired of the church and its people being weak and being anemic when we have His power. It, it's, it's not ours. And maybe that's the problem is that we're trying to fight an enemy in our power when we've got His power. Do, do, do you understand that, that David... When he was just a, a little shepherd boy, he's going to check on his brother. We all know the story of David and Goliath. But all of a sudden, all, all, all of the, the people, all the Israelites are afraid. They're, they're afraid. And they, they see this Israelites and this, this great champion, Goliath, and everybody's afraid. And here comes this boy. And he comes up and he's saying, who, who, who's who's?" Yelling out those blasphemies against my God. He said, I'll fight him. And, and when they heard about it, they brought him to King Saul and said, here, here, Here's our warrior. Let's, here he is. And Saul, supposed to be a king, supposed to be willing to put on and, and, and go out and fight, he tries to, to fit his, his garments on him, his, his war garments. He, he tries to, to give him his sword and his helmet. And David understands, I, I can't even move with this stuff on. Are we trying to move in some other anointing that, that we don't know? That all these things that you could put on me, there's nothing greater than you can put on me than His Spirit that lives inside of me. And when I come into contact, you know why you fight an enemy? I'm going to tell you why you fight the enemy. I'm going to tell you why you are not ignored by an enemy. Have you ever thought, I'm so insignificant, why is the enemy messing with me? Let me tell you what the enemy knows about you. He knows that your power is all about his righteousness and not yours. He also knows that you're trying to constantly get yourself in a position where you can be somebody in his kingdom through 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 doing outward manifestations by by doing things that that look good and sound good and they're good and they, and they have some 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 significance to them. But you understand that that religion is actually Living according to an outer code. Do you understand that? It's living according to an outer code. Which if I live according to an outer code, that means I base things on my performance. 
And if the enemy can keep you trying to perform, see, he knows something about you. And the reason that he fights you, I, I ask you a second, you know why the reason the enemy fights you? It's because he knows who's inside of you. He thinks that you don't know. And if he keep you from realizing who you are in Christ, then he can kind of work against that. But the moment that you understand that the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me, the enemy has zero power over you anymore. Zero power. No power over you. Because you start putting everything on your faith. And your positioning is not in you. It's according to his righteousness. How many of you could say, my righteousness... I don't ever want to be graded on my righteousness. Let me tell you about your righteousness. You've already been graded on it. He's already described your righteousness. It's as a filthy rag. It doesn't mean anything. It's all based on His righteousness. And He says, I'll let my spirit live inside of you. So there's something inside of you that, that wants to well up and, and needs to well up and come out of you. So that you can live this life and, and, and not be beat down and not be. It makes my brain cramp. And I can actually fall into that. And I can actually become disappointed in me. But it's when I'm trying to take on a position that he's not given me authority to be in. It's all about Him and living with Him inside of me, but not just Him inside of me, coming out of me. Okay? So he, he's saying something very powerful in his Scripture right here. He said that there's, there, there is a peace that I want you to have, but the peace that I have is not got anything to do with anything that you can accomplish. It's my peace in you. And that's what he's wanting us to live in and, and to live out of. And he says this in, in Jude. If you just turn back maybe one page, because it's at the end of a one book, uh, one chapter book. It's a one chapter book, Jude. The book Jude is one chapter. And it, it's verse 20. He says this. He said, you beloved, building yourselves up on your most Holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now, this, this is a passage of Scripture right here that's, that's very strong for us. And it opens up an incredible opportunity for us to pray past what our words can say. To pray past what our minds can come up with. Have you ever prayed to the very end of what you can even think of? Have you ever prayed and, and, and you've brought it to God and, and you've said it every way that you could say it? I, I've prayed to him and asked him certain things, and I'm like asking him again, and I try to like be creative, and, and and slip it into him just another way, and and then all of a sudden it hits me. He he knows what I'm praying about. He he knows what I'm praying about. 
I have found myself being guilty, though, of attaching my will to my prayers. Seeing an outcome that I'm expecting and feel like it's such a good outcome, certainly God would sign off on that. And God's probably thinking, John, yeah, that was a good one. I, I, I'm going to move on you. I'm going to move for you on that because you, you, you hit a nugget right there, John. That's, have you ever finally gotten an answer to something and it didn't come in the form of any way that you thought it would come? That'll humble you, but I'll take it because it was an answer from God. And, 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 and he's saying in this scripture right here that you can build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit. Now, I, I want to say something right here. I've heard this term lots of times. Do you have a prayer language? I do have a prayer language. Mine's in English. And he understands it. But there's another language that I speak that's not English. And that requires me to have the most holy faith, believing that what's coming out of me is actually, it, it, it's left praying what my will is, and it has latched on to praying what His will is. Because that's how it's described in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14. Those scriptures, especially 14, it helps. It brings understanding to what speaking in tongues is. It helps me understand that I can be fruitful in my mind. I can pray in my mind prayers. I, I, I can pray right now. I can close my mouth and pray silently. We've done that over and over. We've done that many times, right? But according to His Word, my mind uh, can, can pray a prayer, and it can be a fruitful prayer. But I can pray towards something in my mind while I'm praying in tongues. And what I'm saying in tongues, nobody could understand it. And, and I want you to understand this, that I pray in the Spirit but most of when I pray in the Spirit, I'm not around anybody. I'm by myself. Because Paul gave that instruction in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He said this about that. And I think this anything that God does can be like messed up, especially when a man gets a hold of it. Have y'all recognized that yet? That's an incredible lullaby. I love it. I mean, we're... we're <laughs> There we go. There we go. <laughs> it's all right. These things happen. Um, but, but that, I mean, th that's the last thing. Ain't no, I can tell you this. Ain't nobody falling asleep this morning. I can tell by watching you. Y'all are like, <laughs> this thing about the Holy Ghost and, and, and praying in the Holy Ghost, it's, it's power. And he says this, he says, it'll take your most holy faith and you'll stir up your most holy faith by praying in this gift that I've given you. He talked about it and he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to comfort you. Can I tell you that the life that I live right now, I need him to comfort me. That there's enough going on in the world, I need him to comfort me. And he does. But he also said this, when, he, when he's described in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he said this, he said, 
I wish that every, Paul said this. He said, I wish everybody spoke in tongues. He said, I speak in tongues more than all of y'all. But I'd rather speak just five words in a crowd of people that anybody can understand than 10,000 words that nobody could understand. There, there was a movement. It was still the Holy Ghost, but there, there, the Pentecost, we, we, we named, uh, we, we, we named a, a whole re- segment of religion, and I grew up in it, Pentecostal. Do you know that Pentecostal doesn't even mean speaking in tongues? Does anybody know what Pentecost means? Five zero. It means 50. It means 50. It was 50 days after the resurrection, the day of Pentecost. But we took 50 and made that a, 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 a whole, what do you say? A denomination. So, we didn't even get that right. Fifty. What what kind of uh, what what do you what kind of church do you go to? Oh, I go to a fifty church. Think about that. I'm not just trying to be silly, but fifty. We got that wrong. So if we got that wrong, how we think we're going to find find something behind that to get that to bail that out? To me, it's been chipped away at. It got to a point where there was this thing of, of, of speaking in tongues was, was like a hierarchy. Like if you spoke and if you saved, hey, all right, at least, at least you got the fire insurance. Or the, the denomination that I'm, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm this deep, I might as well just go ahead and drown all the way. And I'm going to be back next Sunday. <laughs> But the next thing was sanctification. Are you sanctified? That, you know, that's probably one of the worst questions that we could ask each other. Because when we answer it, we start lying. <laughs> I'm saved. Hallelujah. But are you sanctified? Oh, yes. I'm, I'm actually just a little bit better than you are. My, my religion and, and my goodness of who I am has, has, I'm just a little better than you are. But, are, but do you have the Holy Ghost? Do you speak in tongues? And then when I, when I realized, because my dad was the pastor, and I realized that there were people that would say, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost on my way to heaven. I would hear some of those same people talking mean about my dad. Where do you think that left me? That put me at a place where I doubted the whole thing. And I'd read scriptures like, how can you talk like this and talk like this and serve him? I'm just trying to be real with you this morning. Because there's a way that it all works. But if we're not careful, we'll mess the whole thing up. And, and, And thank God I hung around long enough to figure it out and ask those doubting Thomas questions for myself. And God revealed some things to me that I said, hey, you know what? God's real. It's the people that are fake. Because I believe in sanctification, but I also believe that it is a lifelong process. If this body needs a physical bath every 
every day or two, I think my spirit and, and, and this, this body that's a physical, that his spirit lives inside of me, I think it needs a bath every now and again too. Amen. And I do believe that even though I'm a fleshly creature, his spirit does live inside of me. And that his spirit can actually speak outside of this body. I mean, for crying out loud, I've been preaching to you guys, a lot of you guys, I've been preaching to you over 15 years. And if you just depended on me to give you my knowledge of what I can come up with, you'd have got bored with me a long time ago. I believe that his Holy Spirit can give us what to say. And it can also give us what to pray. And out of that, we can live a life that pleases Him. Amen, somebody? I, I used to have the scariest times in church when they would call for people that wanted to be saved. It would be like, I, I, I come to the altar every time. I got saved every week growing up. And then if I got in trouble at home, I would try to wait for that second one, the sanctified one. So mom would see that, like maybe I didn't get a spanking or maybe maybe I'd already had the spanking. We used to get grounded in them days. And, and that sanctification prayer could find a way of, of getting me out of a whole week of, or a whole month of being grounded. It might just get cut off at the end of that night if Especially if I came down and got saved, I got sanctified, and then at the end I ran over and I hugged mom. <laughs> Grounding was lifted. I was set free. I was a new man. And she, you know, and then they would do the one about the Holy Ghost, and then I'd be like, uh-oh. Whew, I, can't, I can't go for that. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. And God had to give me that in such a way that out of my sleep, even though I had received it much before, I was going to need that power inside of my life. I was going to need that realm of prayer that could go past what this small brain could think was what God wanted to do and tap into what He really wanted to do and I started learning about that thing about spirit bearing witness and 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 I, I even saw that that got distorted I'd see people at church and be like oh well, well, well my spirit don't bear no witness with that and and use that well my, my spirit doesn't bear witness with that like okay oh I guess you win the argument because your spirit doesn't bear witness with that they, they must be wrong you know what the Spirit bears witness with? You know what the Spirit agrees with? Himself. The Spirit doesn't agree with you. The Spirit agrees with Himself. And you can be on the right side of that. And if you're on the right side of that, let me tell you what's not going to come out of you. My Spirit don't bear witness with that. Looking at somebody else in church. And we wonder why we don't have any power to do anything. And we wonder how our prayers can't reach up past that high. I want to know 
that what the Bible says is true. And that it says this. We have this confidence that when we pray, He hears us. That's a place that we can be in Him. I want his spirit to wash over us. And I don't care when it happens. If it happens here, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. But I've had it happen to me three times in my sleep. And to finish it all the way out, I've seen it happen to her. I've heard things come out of her in the night. And I just said, the next day, I said, Christine, did something happen to you last night? And she said, yeah. She said, what was it? I said, I heard you praying in the spirit in your sleep. She said, I did too. I don't know if that's, I don't want to show of hands. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. But all that proved to me was how much that was so real that, that in my home he'll come interrupt a good night's sleep to say, hey, I got you. I got you. You don't have to worry about it. Maybe, I mean, there's no secret. I've, I've had to go through some, some pretty hard things. Like Paul said, and everything else that I go through above, uh, even with all that, the weight of a church, the, the, the weight of, of, of pastoring people. That's what Paul said. He equated that right up there with his, with his harshest beatings. I can say, yeah, I get that. But I found this about the Holy Spirit. And I found this about God's peace. There's levels of His peace. And there's a peace that passes all understanding. And I don't get that level of peace by just hearing His Word or even by reading His Word. I get that level of peace by doing His Word. And there's a place in the Holy Spirit that is so precious to me. And when I get to those places in the Lord... Because everything's not Sunday morning. If everything had to happen between Sunday at 11 and whenever your pastor quit preaching, we'd be in trouble. Thank God there's something that can happen outside of this if nobody's around. Amen? Amen. Will you sing that, Christine? And as we sing that, I want to pray over you, Lord. I pray for your spirit to wash over us. Your voice is the voice of many waters. John heard your voice. Right there all by himself, exiled on an island, left to die, you came to him. And he heard your voice and he said, it's like the voice of many waters. 
Let your word wash over us. Let us realize your spirit that lives inside of us. And let us learn the power of releasing everything that we can think to pray to allow your spirit to, to pray through us what is the perfect will of God. Wash over us, Lord. Let us be open to that. In Jesus' name I pray. Like a desert stream Washing over me
can't help in my mind but think of there's a place near some of you men know where we where we camp at in the spring but there's a place in the middle of the Chaga River where it just kind of comes together and it pours like between some rocks it almost looks like a fountain and it drops down to that place to like a lower shelf and that bottom of that is just slick it's, it's a big rock and just over years it has become slick but you don't fall because it's about this deep it's, it's, it's about up to right here but where that water comes over we we used to call it the uh, whirlpool but there were bubbles. It was just bubbles. Like you could see it like from here probably to our water cooler back there. But I, it, it moved so fast. This is what I learned about it. Is that I could go underwater and I could swim. Like on that slickest part of the rock. Believe it or not, I could swim. You, you, you might look at me and think, he can't swim. But you ever seen a, a seal? Or a sea lion? They can swim. And I could do that. Just so you know. But I could swim on the bottom. Now, I could not swim on the top. It was too rushing, but something about those bubbles and the way that I could get down to the lowest part, and I, I did it over and over because I'd go all the way to it, and i swim with my eyes open. You could see when you got to the end, you just come up, and that, that stream would hit you, and it would just knock you all the way back, and it was so fun. And that's how that song, that, I keep getting that picture of being just a teenage boy in that pool swimming and swimming and like swimming and swimming I can't swim anymore I've gone as far as I can when I come up that rush hits me and I'm telling you you can't out swim the flow the best thing you can do is to come up and say okay just sweep me away and he'll do amen have you ever had the Lord just sweep you away with his goodness can that be our prayer today Lord, when I swam as hard as I could swim, let me come up and release everything and feel your refreshing sweep me away. To be washed away in your word. When I don't understand anything anymore, let me find a place in your word that just washes over me. And it takes me back to a reset of the reality. Be in your flow. Let your word wash over me. Clean my mind of anything else, any other narrative. You're the only way. You're the truth. You're the life. I trust you, God. I trust you, Lord. Will you just thank Him for His peace right now, Lord? Thank you for your peace. It passes all understanding. And it's for me. Can you just say that? Lord, your peace is for me. I'll live in your peace. I will dwell in your peace. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Jesus. Thank you for it, Lord. It's, if there's anyone today that just feels a little bit overwhelmed with it, 
Will you raise your hand right now? And if anybody, just, just look around right now. If you see someone's hand that's raised, will you just stretch a hand towards them right now? Lord, I thank you that when we feel overwhelmed, you're there. That feeling of being overwhelmed is just proof that there's no other way except you, God. So we release anything that we're holding on to. And we grab for you, God. And say, we're going to trust you with it all. I'm going to trust you with every bit. If I could have solved it, it would have been solved by now. If I could have figured it out, I would have done it by now. I'm trusting you, God. Sweep me away, God. Sweep me away with your word. I put my trust in you and I thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you go today.